Hello and a massive happy welcome to Holtcast 121. As usual, I'm James Rushton and I'm joined once again by Danny Raza. How you doing, pal? I'm doing well, mate. How are you? Oh, man, really happy. Um, you know, one of the best things I think people listen to podcasts in is about diversity and opinions, you know, having a bit of a moan, listening to criticism. But after these two last games that we, we've been through, there's not much to honestly disagree with. It's been pretty incredible what Villa have done in the last week. Firstly, the win against QPR, which we uh, talked about last Sunday. But since then, it's been incredible. You know, three, point, three games, nine points. Can't ask for more. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's just been... Business as usual, hasn't it, from Villa? Uh, I suppose they, they've done what's been expected of them. It, you know, albeit it's been fairly slender wins, but I think the 2-0 victory that, that, that's just obviously happened over the weekend is a sign that, you know, now we're starting to win these games slightly more comfortably. You know, it's uh, it, it did start off as though we we're playing well, getting draws, you know, not losing games. Then it got to a point where we're winning 1-0, you know, getting the 2-1 victories, right? 2-0 victory this weekend over a decent side. You know, perhaps now we're going to start seeing Villa get a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, that buffer. Funnily enough, my dad was pretty pissed yesterday after the Villa game. He had a few ciders, but he was walking back and he's speaking about buffers and how life's got to be a buffer. I have to I'll go out and do my, I'll go out and do my trading. Now I need a buffer of work to keep me going, and I'm going out in winter. I need a buffer of clothes, and yeah, it's about buffer of goals. You need, you know, you just we need to score for security at some points. But um, they, ha- it's been pretty comfortable at times. Um, so let's go back, uh, go for our time machine to midweek when we played uh, Chris Coleman Sunderland. I didn't expect it to be as scary as it was. And it wasn't that Sunderland were incredible. It's just Villa was so lethargic. And I think that is to do with fitness levels coming straight out of that win against QPR on the weekend. And they were pretty tired. I mean, that can't, you know, I think the manager has to, to answer some questions about rotation there, right? Yeah, I think it was once again, it was just a, it was a, it was a similar thing from Villa, wasn't it? Um, if I remember correctly, I'm just trying to think of, I'm just trying to remember what the, what the exact lineup was. Um, it was exactly the same as um, the QPR yeah. game with Johnston, Hutton, Samba, Chester, Taylor, Snodgrass, Whelan, Hoorahan, Adoma, Onoma, and Yeah, Davis. it was, wasn't it? It, it was. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. We, we did see a change in the next match, but obviously that, that, <laughs> that, that was that, just that, that was obviously a, a substitution. But yeah, going back to Sunderland, yeah, I think that was, that was it. It was a little bit lethargic. It was a little bit slow, but it's also a Tuesday night fixture, isn't it? And you do expect to see that sometimes, you know, on, on evening games. You know, perhaps the lads have only had one day of training or a couple of days of training in between um, since the weekend. And uh, it, it's always going to be difficult to, to get off to a flying start. But, you know, we did score the first goal and... That's all you can really ask, really. Yeah, um, what we said was Chris Coleman would come in with the counter-attack and if Villa did step on their throats, there would be that whole spirit of the underdog thing that he was known for with Wales. Wales, incredibly gifted team, an incredibly spirited team. But when he joined, there was low morale, very poor morale, and he was almost stupid for taking that job. Again, they're saying that about him taking the Sunderland job. But they did play the ball over the top. They did attack on the break. And they did look very scary at times. And how Villa managed to actually deal with them, I'll, I will never know. Um, sometimes At points, I thought that was a game that we would lose. But yeah, we come, we come back incredibly. Um, we Through some of the attacking play, we managed to pull out spots. We managed to score out of nowhere. So especially both of our goals come from almost zero build-up. 
Um, mm. Albert Adoma grabbing the first goal, of course, with Josh Onimus uh, grabbing the second. Adoma turning in that cross from Snodgrass and Onima grabbing another deflection. It seems like he can only score through deflections. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, we are turning into a side that can really sort of smash and grab. I'm just looking back at the stats from the Sunderland game. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised to see that Sunderland had something like 58% possession throughout the whole game. Um, also just performed better than us in the air and in, in many in many other areas as well. Uh, but it's, it is interesting how we're, we're scoring a lot of goals through through three balls and, and, and long eff, long shots, you know, um, efforts from outside the box. That is something that, that we've been doing quite a lot um, as of late. I think who scored as well, have us down as a side, it just tend to like shooting from outside of the area. And I think it just shows a little bit more confidence. We're being a little bit more speculative. And even Robbie Snodgrass as well, we're seeing it from him quite a lot of the time. I think he set up a beautiful assist as well um, for Adoma. Just... Just being able to find those opportunities and understanding that there's players um, on the other side of the pitch who are on the same wavelength of you uh, as you, and I, I'm liking what we're seeing in that respect. It's very much like the old Dutch style. Yeah, I mean Aston Villa. It's it, it's almost like a mockery to say that Aston Villa are like total football, but at the moment it is. They are making chances left, right, and centre. They're scoring smash and grab victories like we had against Sunderland. They complete victories like we saw against Hipswich. But the, the, the Sunderland, looking back on it, it seems incredible. You know, the the scoreline seems so positive. But at the game, it was actually really quiet. It was like a zombie-like atmosphere there. And there was almost no singing. There was almost no celebrations. It was almost like the goals took us by surprise. And especially at the end when uh, Graben, of course, as you predicted, <laughs> scored and pulled one back for Coleman Sunderland. There was a, a really nervy atmosphere. It was almost a sigh of relief that we got the the two one victory at home, and uh, yeah, I thought there was a bit of bit maybe too much expectation there, reversing the bottom of the league, and maybe people will think like I said we'd maybe get three 0 but maybe there's too much yeah, expectation. Say, say what you like, Sunderland are bottom of the league. Yeah, they are. You know, they're, they're, they're bottom of the league because they've been poor and they haven't been playing up to their potential. But you look at that team, and it is actually. I mean, they're suffering through a lot of what we had last season. It is actually a team that should be performing um, ahead of a, ahead of most sides in the championship. You know, you've got McGeady and McManaman on the wings. You've got Honeyman and Gooch, obviously, you know, Honeyman's a lot more of a younger player there. But you've also got Gibson holding hold in that midfield together. And it's all, he's always going to make things difficult for you. Even that defence, even though John O'Shea's getting on a bit, you know, you, you look at some of those defenders in there, Oviedo as well, and Matthews. They're all players who should be performing to a higher level. So if they do decide to switch it on, especially with a new manager coming in, the side that's playing against them is always going to struggle. So I'm not incredibly surprised that we had a little bit of a tough time against them because when those sorts of players and players with that kind of talent, especially players, you know, funnily enough, who've probably played Champions League football as well, uh, for not for Sunderland, obviously, um, when they're going to switch it on and, and, and play for... Um, a particular occasion, this one being Coleman uh, being in charge, then they're going to make it tough for you, mate. Yeah, I mean, Sunderland did win yesterday against Burton and that was incredibly obvious from the way they played against Aston Villa. They didn't look like the bottom of the league side they are. And, you know, fingers crossed if they don't, hope they don't go down because I do have a few friends who support Sunderland and it would just be an absolute misery for them to go down. But... These things happen. If you can't perform like you did against Villa and Burton in every single game, then you're gonna have the run of the results go against you. Yeah, mate. The thing is, if they go down, that they'll be they'll be dead because there's there's got to be players on high wages there. I mean, O'Shea, Gibson, McGeady. I cannot see any of those players being able to 
kind of take huge pay cuts for being down in League One. Yeah, uh, I'd hate to. I'd hate to like see what would happen if they went down. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't perhaps be like the Pompey sort of situation where you barely own any assets in forms of players or your stadium or your facilities. Because what we have to remember here is Sunderland are absolutely a humongous football club. Their stadium is absolutely incredibly huge. They've got incredible facilities and they've still got players who people would buy. So if they go down, it, it wouldn't be like the kind of Rangers situation where they go straight insolvent. There'd be incredible financial worries. But they have at least a saving grace that they've got these stadium they can sell off. They've got the facilities they can sell off and players they can sell off. But oh, yeah. Um, yeah, drastic, drastic situations there. And uh, I think we've we've been there. We've been there, especially when we was coming down from the Premier League. We've been in the misery heap. So um, yeah, we, we shouldn't. You know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. I guess. Oh, I suppose not. And I suppose that that stadium as well, Stadium of Light. It's not. It's not. Um, it's not very old either. I I I can't imagine Sunderland fans wanting to move down to. You know, a, a, a small sort of, uh, you know, a stadium which is probably being used for non-league football. I know that. I, yeah. yeah, more ref, more reflective of their, you know, potential yeah, league one status. You know, it wouldn't even I be guess. league one status if you if you manage if you're going to have to move. It, it would be it'd be sort of non-league level. Also, Stadium of Light is um, just. I've got to make this point. It sounds like it belongs in that anime. I don't know who named it to start with, but there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's, it's it's quite weird, isn't it? Um, had some fo- we we haven't had much luck there recently and but there there will be a return fixture later on this season that we'll be heading to and um we've been doing quite a w- well away from home recently asking for the complete turnaround and yeah two one against Sunderland Josh Anama um stealing the show um to be honest um absolutely incredible display from the young man from Tottenham Robert Snodgrass turned it on as of late but Keenan Davis unfortunately um lacking the fitness uh, incredibly gassed at the end. No, and that's not on him. He he plays every single week if it's not. Well, yeah, this is it with Keenan Davis. This lad has basically started off the season. I think this is the, this is the way it is, right? <laughs> you had obviously Kajir wasn't wasn't fit at the start of the season. That that was just the way it is. You know, we we, we tried Scott Hogan up top. Keenan Davis has started started the season as he's a young player that might be brought through. We'll play him up alongside some of these more experienced strikers. Who knows? Maybe he's going to be decent, right? We'll see what he does, right? And then Hogan gets injured also just wasn't playing to his potential. And then Jonathan Kajir decides to come back, play okay, uh, but not to the level that he was playing at before, and then gets injured again. And Keenan Davis is left here thinking, hang on a second, I am the first choice striker. There is nobody ahead of him in that starting lineup. And there is nobody who can basically challenge him for it. Now, what makes me worried is that is an awful lot of pressure for a kid of his age. I don't I, actually that's probably disrespectful to call him a kid, right? Obviously he's a man, whatever. He's he's a, he's around about our age, but it's an incredible amount of pressure to put on him. You know, somebody who hasn't been playing an awful lot of uh competitive football um by this point. It'll be interesting to see what he does because some players take it in their stride, don't they? Look at Jamie Vardy coming straight up from non-league and then uh basically being able to being able to to handle the pressure of of competitive football especially in the championship. I think Davis has taken it in his stride, but it's just going to be an awful lot of work for him, isn't it? And I, I just, I just like to see us perhaps see if we can go with another option. Maybe, maybe the option is uh, Jack Grealish up top. Maybe it's a Doma. Um, I just, I don't know how I feel about Davis playing every single week, every single game. It's a lot of work. Yeah, especially he, you know, Anima and Davis have this incredible thing where they will not stop for ninety minutes. It's almost 
a kind of unintelligence where you'll have players like the best players in the world will know when to press and know when to attack. But people like Davis and Onaman will just attack the ball every single second they're around it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's to the, to their detriment. To the, you know, the positives of that are, are that it's an incredible press. It's an incredible pressure on the defence because you've got two incredibly gifted players that will charge you down at a moment's notice. The, the poor side of it is they're going to run out of fitness incredibly quick. And it's you know incredible how they've lasted three games in a row doing the same thing. But you know what? Maybe that's what makes elite players, though. We're talking about players who obviously play uh, for for England at obviously a lower level. Perhaps this is the kind of this is the kind of pressure that they need to basically, you know, almost break themselves and 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 make sure that they do get to that level where where they are uh, playing in the Premier League and playing playing at a um, uh, playing at a consistent at a consistent rate as well. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see whether they can carry on. I think the thing to, to mention about Davis as well is he's incredibly intelligent. One thing I noticed about him, it's interesting that you say he runs around a lot and just presses everywhere. Um, but when you look at his positioning and you look at where he places himself when somebody like Snodgrass has the ball, he's always in the right place. Yeah, I'd say 80 to 90% of the time. You, you don't look at Davis and think, you know, what, why, why aren't you in that area? Why, why aren't you in that area? And that's something experienced strikers lack. Yeah, I mean, Keenan Davis, his mental attributes to this game, his anticipation of the ball, his, his knowledge of the game is so far beyond his years. And I don't know where it comes from, to be honest, because you have to gain it through experience. And what you need to know about Keenan Davis is that this isn't even bigger rise than the Jamie Vardy rise or any other rise from the bottom. Keenan Davis was working in a barbershop two years ago. He'd given up, he'd not given up on his chance of playing football, but he'd been released from the Stevenage Academy. Vardy was released from Sheffield Wednesday, whilst Davis was released from a League Two football team academy. Wow, that, I didn't know that. You no. Know, then he's playing at Biggleswade Town. Biggleswade, a non-league football team. Um, they've got an incredibly gifted academy, and I know there's some really hard workers. Some of you actually listen to this podcast. I mean, their scout that I speak to on Twitter, Gareth Cooper. You know, there's people that follow Villa from Biggleswade that in that are following the Keenan Davis story. So they're not this, you know, random Sunday league team. There is quality there. But Davis has come from a barbershop apprentice, walking a mile to football training, and then suddenly is the start leading the line for Aston Villa. And this quality, I don't know how it passed so many teams by because Keenan Davis' first game that he played for Villa in a you know, serious football against Brighton last year, he displayed the exact same things as we're seeing now. It's not like he's suddenly got better or he's learnt from his game or he's learning. He's just been almost the finished product from the get-go. And this it's incredibly strange to see that at Villa because we are so used to players who are nearly theirs, like Gabby Bonhoor and, you know, Jack Grealish, you know, we have still yet to see the talents he will bring to the table after that horrific injury earlier this season. But Keenan Davis almost looks like the finished article and that is so rare to see in such a young player. No, absolutely. You just don't see it from, from new strikers, especially because after a few games, they haven't scored a goal. There's a lot of players who come up like that and you just don't hear from them again. Um, but obviously... Bruce must have a certain amount of trust in him, and it's interesting that he managed to basically leapfrog Hepburn Murphy in um, in this whole process as well. That's another thing that that, that people don't don't mention. Uh, there, there, there is young, there are like talented young players in within the Villa team, but Keenan Davis is the only one who actually looks physically like ready to play up front for us. And that's the only thing I'm I'm worried about with if if we go with somebody like Callum O'Hare up top. I'm not sure I'd be able to deal with the physicality of the of the championship, and I think that's one of the things that you have to owe to Davis 
And I think that's one of the reasons why he's found it, um, I won't say easier, but I think more comfortable to to adapt to the championship. Yeah, really happy with Keenan Davis. And I think every Villa fan is seriously enjoying to see seeing what's coming of him. I mean, his finishing it is, re- it is seriously lacking. You know, some, sometimes some of the chances he misses out, but you forgive him for it because he's such an intelligent player who gels the team together so well. And he just knows how to play on a mountain, not grass on a doma so very well. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, we're missing goals from him. But there's one man who's bringing the goals in, mate. And it's Albert Adoma, um, a goal against Sunderland, Sunderland, of course. But he's had a Jamie Vardy-like rise as well. I mean, it's a, been a bit faster. But of course, he started out at Harrowborough, went to Barnet, then to Middlesbrough, then to Villa, or Bristol City, then Middlesbrough, then to Villa. So he's come from the bottom as well. He's come from the Sunday League football. And uh, we're really getting the best out of him. Yeah, he's he's really sort of switching it back on now, isn't he? I think he's he's playing with a bit of freedom, and I think what's helped that has definitely been that that in creativity. I think that increase of creativity in the in the Villa team in general. It's been a long time since we've had a balanced midfield. We've had a lot of talented wingers in the side. Um, I don't. I mean, not, not. I'm not. I'm not saying we've had wingers who have established themselves or who have done well for us in the long run. But you look at everybody who's come in. We've had. Over the last couple of years or so, you've had a Doma, um, sorry, you've had a Dharma. Um, obviously, Snodgrass has come in. Uh, we, we had, uh, who else did we have last season? I'm trying to remember. Uh, at one point, we, we had Carl Hill as well. And a lot of these players came and they, they just never seemed to find their, well, they never seemed to find the assists. They never seemed to find the goals either. And I think what's happened now is we've actually got a balanced midfield where you've got Glenn Whelan, who's doing absolute wonders as a linchpin. You've got Conor Hurahan who's finding uh, there was who's, who's finding these players when they find space and Adoma and Snodgrass just work together like salt and pepper. Like they they just they they, they just complement each other so well. Snodgrass seems to know where Adoma is all the time and, and the same thing with Adoma but I think as well the fact that Keenan Davis is being forced to to play up top for us has, has meant that you know I, I hate to say it but it means that we're not building the side around Jonathan Codger. And I think that's possibly what's helped the freedom of Adoma. We're concentrating a lot more on our creativity. Jonathan Codger is an incredible player. He scares defences like no one else. But the fact is that Villa are playing a lot deeper. They're playing out from the back a lot more. And they're also finding a way to mix a bit of possession with a bit of directability. So you'll get the best out of players like Davis and Onoma through pure possession football where they can hold up and wait. But also Robert Snodgrass and Albert Adoma benefit from a direct approach that's almost this mix and match of you know, footballing styles that are bringing the best out of every single set of players that we have. And it's incredible to see, especially Albert Adoma, someone who's having so much fun play for Aston Villa and it, it's a delight. He stood when he scored. We'll come on to the Ipswich Town game in a bit, but when he scored his second goal, he simply stood on the advertising board and held out his arms and just reveled in the praise. And it's someone, he just loves scoring goals and getting admired. And uh, it's I've never seen someone have so much fun playing football at a professional level. Well, he's partying. He's partying, yeah. isn't he? And that, that that's this is the thing. Villa are allowed to be positive now. A lot, over the last couple of years, when we've had a win or we've had a player score a goal, it's, it's almost kind of been a little bit taboo for them to, to enjoy the moment and, uh, and basically have fun with it because we'd know that the next week would be uh, capable of getting thrashed. Yeah. And I think like well, after the after the run that we've been on and and the the amount of victories have actually managed to rack up over the last couple of months, 
that the players have have a right to be having a bit more fun. And now we're starting to see that creativity again because they're not having to hold back. That's what Bruce was doing with us for so long. Just keeping the players on lock, you know, making sure that they're tight and, and not conceding goals. And, you know, it, it, it didn't bring the potential out. And now we're finally starting to see it. Yeah, Aston Villa under Steve Bruce are finding ways to win regardless of what happens. And that's something we've lacked for years, mate. Really have. We're uh, unlocking the keys to victory. And I'm really happy for that. I'm really happy it's happening. Maybe Steve Bruce isn't the guy who pushes us on when we go to the Premier League. But whatever he's doing is right. Even if he's not doing anything, it's something he's working. He's doing something, mate. I, th- I think what if you notice what happened between Sunderland and Ipswich, I'm not sure. I think, obviously... Uh, Sunderland, uh, obviously both games are at home, so I'm, I'm, you know you, you you would have seen, or if, if anybody's seen the extended highlights as yes. well, you'll 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 know, right? Uh, there was a bit of a tactical change uh, when when you look at the two lineups that came out, and um, obviously the players were the same, you know, Bar Jedinak, but Adoma and Snodgrass were both pushed up a little bit further uh, against Ipswich, and it almost seems to me, or what it indicates to me is Steve Bruce is now saying, look. We've got those basics. We know what works. Snodgrass and Adoma are going to be on the wings, and that's that's the way it's going to be. Now, just push up a little bit. You know, have a little bit more fun. Work with Onoma a little bit more. And now that trust is being given as well to Whelan and Hurahan to hold that midfield together. I'm not sure if you noticed that. No, I didn't, mate. I have to be honest. Um, revel- I just reveled in the joy of watching Aston Villa have so much fun. But yeah, <laughs> it does look like they are trusting themselves a lot more. And There's a lot is. more of a four-two-three-one going on, mate. Yeah, I'm really happy for that. I'm really happy that suddenly a two-man midfield is working and Onoma is allowed to just do whatever he wants and Davis is allowed to run rampant. And Adomi and Snodgrass are just allowed to have fun. It is, it's such simple, basic football and it is working so incredibly well. And it's unfortunate because this type of thing gives you know complete fucking idiots... You know, legitimacy, people who say, oh, yeah, play this way, play that way, do rugby. <laughs> and, you know, it, it gives these people backwards ideals about football legitimacy. But, man, I'll just kind of sit here and enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's it's just fun to watch now, isn't it? And we're, we're, we're seeing Snodgrass as well. He's been an absolute joy to watch. I think I really, I really want to mention him because I think his heat map must have been absolutely ridiculous over the last couple of games. I haven't seen a player like him rush out of his position and just try to play all over the all over the pitch since I think probably I think the closest we've seen is is Jack Grealish when he first came through a couple of seasons ago. Um but Snodgrass is, is in the center, he's on the right hand side, he's always just trying to get involved, and I think um he just deserves a lot of plaudits over the last couple of games. Just whilst we're obviously praising Adoma for scoring the goals. He's given that service, mate. Yeah, where Adoma lacks in technical ability, because he, he plays like it's a video game. He holds sprint down. <laughs> he does. He slaps the analog sticks and he glides past them. There's no technique, really. It's just pure football in its most basic and its most primal in Adoma. Whereas in Robert Snodgrass, we see someone who hasn't got the pace. But what he does have is a really gifted pair of boots. Um, the balls he puts in, splendid. Um, some of the shots he can pull off, incredible. His set piece delivery, you know, fantastic. Adoma, just put it, it's, there's two different sides of technique, isn't there? There's a pure fun and there's a pure science almost in Snodgrass, whereas you see the fun 
the pure primal instincts in the domain. It's incredible to see these two players uh, do the business. Uh, what we will what we will say about Snodgrass is of a defensive liability, especially with Hutton on his side. You know, two players who just are constantly in the attacking half. But I'll take what I get. We're winning. Um, no, there's nothing going wrong. Do you know what, me. mate? Hutton has never been any good at positioning, and if we're going to think that. If we're, if we're gonna think that's gonna change, uh, it isn't. Uh, so I think we just we just have to deal with it when it comes to that, and just let Whedon sit deep whenever uh, whenever anything happens. Yeah, I suppose the defense is the one thing where uh, where we can worry over the over the next few months. There's no way Samba's holding it up in there either. Yeah. So moving on to the Ipswich game, we thought this would be a bit more tricky, right? Mick McCarthy, bit of a physical team, um, Villa running out of gas maybe through a lack of rotation. It had all the you know all the hallmarks of a uh, gutting loss or a, a a terrible draw. But that wasn't the case. Um, Villa got the 2-0 victory. They didn't play the best football in the world, but they took advantage of some mistakes by Ipswich. They took a, you know, they took advantage of an offside trap for the first goal when Adoma just glided through them. And the, the second goal was when Snodgrass played the ball over the top. One of their players, for some reason, jumped for a diving header clearance that he had no, no chance <laughs> no <laughs> no reason to make Nadoma just skips past them you know the the man Prince Albert the man absolute business yeah, that was that was Dominic Yorfa mate like that, that that's the same Dominic Yorfa who's uh obviously played England the 21 football and uh I'm pretty sure he's on loan from Wolverhampton Wanderers I would have even said Villa uh should have a look at him as well as a right back but yeah there you go that was that, that was that diving header you were talking about it was a good victory 2-0 as well and and like just with the fact that we didn't concede despite everybody panicking about Samba being brought on and uh I mean I in the first place was was a little bit weirded out with the fact that Jedinak started at centre-back too yeah um he has all the I said this uh to my dad he sits next to me Jedinak is he plays centre-back like a midfielder and that's got massive pros but it's also got massive cons as in positioning cons the most important part of being a defender is positioning just being in the way um but then again you have his ball playing abilities and you have his defensive abilities which are you know worthy of being a centre-back but uh he was taken off early on uh injury and it did look pretty nasty to be fair in live action because he's jumped up for the ball and he's got his shoulder slammed against the ground after falling down and he what it was pretty limp and how close to him he how he managed to last 10 minutes with what should looks like a dislocated shoulder. Pretty, pretty brave stuff. But yeah, once again injured. And it, it does look quite worrying at this point, mate, that uh, Yadonak is just seemingly getting injured all the time now. Do we know how bad it looks? Uh, I don't think there's an official diagnosis, but uh, it is a shoulder injury and it could be mean a few weeks out, which means Samba has to uh, keep up his play. Well, the, the thing is, uh, Christopher Samba, I think, was brought in to be a bit part player, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. And I think the reason that is is because he just hasn't had a lot of football in in England um, over the last couple of years. Uh, but I tell you what, he's he, he's come in and he's not showing any of that sort of panic that 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 seems to set in when you do sign aging defenders who, who haven't been playing at a high level. He's for my money, right? I think he's performed better than Jolie and Lescott did when he came in. Uh, oh, yeah. and you know he's I'd say he's played as well as somebody like Senderos did when he when he first came in as well at, at Villa and he's not panicking he's he's done a good job so I think that the fact that he's he's doing all right um means that we should just you know kind of trust that we're in capable hands with him I think Jedinak starting obviously it might it may or may not have been I I'm, it's this is just like an absolute 
sort of guess. I think it may have been to do with the fact that Ghana was starting up top for Ipswich and and Bruce might have wanted to um, combat the aerial uh, the, the aerial ability of the two strikers. Um, I think Samba can do that job just as well as well. Um, but I'm just looking back, and the only the only defender we've got fit who can who can replace him now, if anything else goes wrong, is is, is Richie Delay, and I'm I'm confused as to why we haven't given him game time so far. Yeah, especially with the same whole defensive lineup for three games in a row. Um, and we've got a short week now. Um, we've got a game on Friday coming up that we'll preview later on. But uh, it seems quite strange that you go for so long with aging, an aging right back and an aging centre back with uh, zero pace. And uh, well, you know what? I'm going to retract what I've just said because, to be honest, <laughs> mate, some of, the, some of the bursts of pace from Chris Samba last night were, were unbelievable. He looks 10 years younger. Um, so he gets every ball, gets his head on every ball. And yeah, maybe his passing could be a bit better. But he's he's like a man mountain at the back and not many teams have that absolute beast. Listen, I, I had Matt Lynch on um, on the on my TV show the other day. Um, obviously, I'm just going to give that cheap plug in. But, uh, you know... It is the ne- it is the last episode of the series next week anyway. But yeah, back to it. Um, you know, obviously I was speaking to Matt and I was thinking, well, Chris Samba, this is the point about him. Surely, I don't know if there is anybody else in the championship who has racked up as much of a transfer fee as him, like in 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 the in years gone by. Like that has to stand for something. And that is just a pure brutal guess. Has anybody racked up more of a transfer fee than him? I wouldn't be able I don't think so. And He's a, like people act like he's a a bad player, but no, he's genuinely really good, and we've seen that throughout his career where he's he's not been a bit part player for any team. He's stu- he's stood up to the challenge and he's done the business it's because he played for that laughing stock of a QPR side where where Jose Bazingua, obviously another player who played at a high level, was at and obviously laughed as he as as QPR got relegated that one season. I think it, it's it's because of of that. And and the, and his time there, he's always going to be associated with that failure. Uh, he's very much a he's very much going to be associated with that, which is which is a shame. Uh, but hopefully, he'll be able to to write all that when if we get promoted by the end of the season. And he's he's, he's showed so far that he's so far that he's performing. But mate, it just comes back to it. We don't want to. It's difficult to come up with any negatives in this podcast as of late, but. It's going yeah. to come down to talking about player fitness. Do we need more rotation and delay needs to come in if we're going to ever, you know, um, if we're ever going to rotate anything? Yeah. Uh, it's difficult because when a team is performing as well as Villa are, you think that rotation, A, is beneficial because it brings fitness back into the team, but B, it also wrecks the chemistry of the team. Samba and Chester are performing absolutely admirable at the moment. And, I'd find it very difficult. It's a very much a gamble to keep them on and to change them. I I wouldn't envy Bruce making a oh, decision. Oh, sure, no. I wouldn't want to no, be. Definitely. I mean, this is the thing. There is those two camps, and it's and it's absolutely a legitimate thing to say. But then, what you did, you make those changes when you're losing. Do you, do you, do you, do you bring those players in and upset the balance of the side when you're when you're struggling for results? I mean, that that's the other option. I mean, what what you could do perhaps is say, well, okay, we're two 0 up now. Let's you know. Let's 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 give let's give Richie Richie twenty minutes. Let him let him settle back into the competitive nature of the game, especially when Ipswich are going to keep on attacking. That that could have been something to do, but I, th- I think you're right there, mate. It's 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 a hard one to judge when you are winning games. Uh, 
but it's also perhaps a sign of desperation. Do you really not believe in the rest of the players in the dressing room to to do as well a job as the as the rest of them out there? That's that's the question. Yeah, um, it's it, it's very difficult because, as I said, it's uh, do you do you want to change anything? Don't you just want to change? Football management is a hard job, and uh, I'm starting to see that through this conversation now. But yeah, mate, Ipswich Town beat them two 0 there's an alternate reality that exists, maybe, where Mick McCarthy could have been the villa manager. But uh, I'm happy we've got <laughs> Steve Bruce. I don't want to think about that, mate. don't want to think about it, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Steve Bruce is our man. And uh, Ipswich Town, admittedly, were the better side in the early period. They put the ball in the back of the net before it was taken back for a foul. And then Villa woke up. So, Well, all, yeah. All benefit. All benefit. Yeah, Glenn Whelan was the impetus for the first goal. We'll come on to big Glenn, actually because uh, his volley bounced back to him. And he knew where he waited for the ball to fall and passed it through to Adoma, who scored. And Glenn Whelan is someone who has been a bit of a victim of this podcast over the last few weeks. For because He has looked scared to you know have the ball. He has been caught out. He has been that kind of pressure point for teams to exploit. But he's really stepped up in these last three games. And he has uh, he's shown an immense amount of discipline to tie his filler side together in the middle. And I think we have to give it to Glenn, because... Mr. Whelan has really stepped up for us and it, it's showing. Well, is he showing that? Is he showing that form that we saw him in when he scored that wonderful goal for Ireland against Italy? That was the Glenn Whelan, which I looked at and thought, man, this guy's a good midfielder. Perhaps he's going to, uh, perhaps he's going to perform well in the championship. Uh, sorry, in the Premier League. You know, that was back in 2009, I believe it was. And now we're starting to see Glenn Wheel switch that form back on again. I'm sure he might. I'm sure the thing with him is he's, he's never would he never would have stood out at Stoke City because they've always had you know similar sorts of players. But now we we finally have that kind of a player in our team. Uh, he was struggling for a little bit, but now he's just playing so cleanly, isn't he? He's he's not misplacing anything, and I think his ideas are coming coming up but I just wonder whether that's to do with the fact that the chemistry in general of the side has just improved I think he's a he's a kind of player that you have to base your midfield around and he is that general at the moment yeah uh, in a similar role to Yadonak we've, we've spoke about this a few times but uh, Glenn Whelan shows a ball playing ability and general intelligence and understanding of the understanding of the game that isn't quite there for the Villa team and that's just due to his pure experience of playing this game. He's been around the block. He's been into international football and Premier League football for a very long time. He knows he knows what to do, and it, it's it's showing. And you know, I hope Villa fans are taking notice of him because, rightly enough, we've, give, we've been giving him stick uh, when he's been doing poorly. But now he's displaying. No, if Albert Adoma didn't score two goals yesterday, he'd have been the man of the match. Uh, good would be an understatement. To be fair, he was brilliant yesterday. He held the ball up perfectly well, mate, and he did his job and he went, he answered the call of duty for Villa. Yeah, and you know what? He didn't even pass that ball through to Adoma, if I, if I remember correctly. He actually headed it through and it was a pinpointed header. It wasn't It wasn't one where he just kind of like, you know, launched it forward. He he, he controlled that and he, he controlled it through a couple of defenders uh, to, to get it to Adoma. And that was just, that, that was just pure intelligence. And I'm, I'm just glad now that he's, uh, that he's doing well because I was slightly worried for a little while that he might have been the second coming of Gavin McCann, but uh, it's obviously not the case. He's almost like uh, a better version, a better version. Everything we expected of both Mila Yedinak and Gavin McCann display in Glenn <laughs> Someone who just takes a, the game by the scuff of the neck. And I appreciate Yedinak's physicality. 
but what he lacks is made up for in Glenn Whelan's just pure intelligence, pure foresight. You know, he he's able to almost craft the game. And we saw that he covered the entire pitch yesterday. Um, he was on the wing at points, bless him. But uh, <laughs> incredible performance by Glenn Whelan yesterday. And I think, you know, if we're going to give out any Hulk cast award today, it goes to big man Glenn. Yeah, absolutely. But we've got we've got to we've got to stay grounded on this as well. We've got to remember what we talked about in terms of criticisms before. Do we still trust Glenn Whelan and Conor Huran to switch that on against the bigger sides? Well, not bigger sides. Sorry, the the sides who have been tougher. You know, Wolverhampton Wanderers, for example, in that last game, they they still got overrun, mate. You know, they, there's still something to be said about you know maybe having somebody else behind Whelan and Huran when it does come to those sorts of games. It, they're not. They're not the finished product and they're not the answer all of the time. When we're supposed to be on the front foot and we're playing against sides like Ip- like Ipswich, you know, they will switch on that 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 form and they will, of course, look great. But um, it, the only thing you've got to wonder about is whether they can still hold it up against the bigger sides because we haven't had a test for a while. That's one thing I'll say. So, yeah, finishing up on Ipswich, they didn't manage to get a shot on target. Um, Villa outshot them with 10 shots, so 16 shots, so to six, ten more than them. We had five shots on target and the lion's share, of course, of the possession, as we mostly do at home. 2-0, two goals from Albert Adomav, run homes rampant. Glenn Whelan stole the show. Chris Samba looked secure. And yeah, nothing much to deal with. But moving on, we are versing a big hitter on Friday on Sky 5, uh, a late kickoff at 7-ish on Sky TV against Leeds United. <laughs> Leeds United who have struggled as of uh, recently, but they aren't a team to be mocked, are they? No, they have struggled as of late, but let's let's remember that they got a victory over the weekend in a big, and I, I say that it's, it was a tough, tough Yorkshire derby against Barnsley. It was always going to be a difficult fixture for them, and they turned it on, um, and they were playing away as well at the Tykes. So, that you know, it's a, it's, it was a big one over there for them. Uh, no, the Tykes are Burnley, aren't they? I've got that one wrong, haven't I? Who knows? doesn't matter. I think the Tykes of Barnsley, you're right. Are you t- the Tykes yeah. of Barnsley, okay. yeah. You cool, got all right. I'm going, to continue. I'm going to continue with my little analysis over there. But <laughs> they got a 2-0 victory over Barnsley. It was a comfortable one. Uh, but as you say, mate, you know, before that, they struggled against Wolves. Uh, they had a little bit of a slip-up against Brentford um, and they were struggling to score goals. Uh, but they've got a big man returning for them against Villa, quite possibly, mate. Well, I am... Um very cautious about this match because Leeds are a team that look like they've had their beat in, they're brushing themselves off and they're ready to get into a few scraps whereas Villa are the high-flying royalty of the championship right now and uh, if anything it'll be Leeds who want to make a statement rather than Villa Yeah, yeah, absolutely and now I think what you've got now is you've got finally an Aston Villa side which is in form taking on Leeds I think the last few times we've played up against them we, we haven't done well whatsoever but now we have to we have to basically take this by the scruff of the neck. We can't have any excuses anymore. We're no longer a struggling side who just kind of found it difficult to get into things. We've won our last few games. Was it how many? How many is it now straight that we've won? Is it three? Yeah, uh, three, three uh, in a, within a week. Yeah, yeah, three within a week. It's it's been ridiculously good, and I I just have to you know hope that. They don't take their foot off the gas now. As well as they've been performing, as much of a shift as they've been putting in, they need to really turn it on against Leeds. Uh, and I, I think it's a Friday night game as well, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, it's going to uh, really set the tone. Yeah, on the TV, it's away 
up in Leeds. Um, it's got the make again. It's got the makings of a match that Villa might struggle in, especially because you know Leeds are there to throw the knockout punch. Aston Villa. It's the pressure's on Villa. Do you think so, mate? I think I, I think I think when you you got to the thing you got to remember about Leeds United is they've been expected to perform a little bit better than they have done this season. Oh, of we, course, yeah, definitely. We've been on a good run. We, we've been scoring goals. We've been taking points. If we lose the Leeds, if we don't do well, do too well against them, then it's all right. We'll brush ourselves up and we'll get back up against you know the 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 the, the sides a little bit further down the table. Leeds United, though, they need to get a run going. I think the pressure's on them, honestly, James. Oh, fair enough then. Well, certainly when we head down to Leeds on Friday, or head up to Leeds, sorry, on Friday, do we have do we have some difficulty then in Leeds springing a surprise and uh, giving us that knockout punch? If the pressure's on, I've got maybe it's a pressure cooker that forges their their uh, promotion. Yeah, run. absolutely. You have got to look at those creative players. I think Alioski, who just performed fantastically on the weekend against Barnsley. He's, he's somebody you need to be looking at as well as size. Both of them uh, have, been, have been creating opportunities for Leeds. Uh, Hernandez as well on the left-hand side. Obviously, Ekeban hasn't been amazing up front for them, but this is where things get interesting and this is where things get complicated for Aston Villa. They've had a massive injury, a massive blow, which has harmed them so far this season. They, of course, signed that centre-forward from, uh, from Hamburg, uh, on loan, didn't they? At the start of the season, a former German under-21 international, Pierre-Michel Lasaga. Five goals and 10 starts for Leeds. He's been out for a month. They tried him out against Brentford as well. He got an injury. Um, and and uh, the, the, the thing is, if he comes back against us on Friday night, uh, well, you know, we might have one of the championship's potentially most prolific goal scorers um, coming in. Uh, I, you always have to look at that record, mate, that, that goal-scoring record. He scored more than uh, once every other game, and uh, uh, he, he's performed at a high level before for Germany, mate. It would seem, from what we we've got to go on, that Leeds have a lot more threat than Aston Villa. In what in what sense, like the attacking wise, or attacking wise, in the sense that they seem to have a number of people who they can play up front to score goals, while we have to work quite hard to get our goals from the wings or in the middle. Yeah, well I think that just I think that's just basically what our game plan's gonna have to be though, isn't it? And that's what our game plan has been. We we're playing a sort of striker in Keenan Davis, which is there to create space for the creative players. And he's almost dropped into a little bit of a false nine role every now and then, hasn't he? And we we're we're having to we're having to rely on a Doma springing something in from the left hand side, but that's okay. You know, but that just means that we we get to hold the ball up a little bit more in midfield and hopefully sort of uh, get more of a grip on the midfield. Uh, th- that's basically what we're going to have to do for now, unless Keenan Davis, you know, suddenly switches it on and starts scoring prolifically. We're going to have to use him in the way that we have done so far, and that's in support of the wingers. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to see what we can do because it is going to be a difficult game for Villa. It is going to be a game that requires a sense of creativity and also a solid game plan because if Villa lose, I mean, yeah, again, we dust ourselves off. We are six points clear in the playoff. You know, we don't drop out of these playoff positions with a loss. The problem is bringing the whole pack together with a loss. You know, you give Leeds points. If Middlesbrough win, they get points. If Forest win, Ipswich win. Suddenly, it's a very condensed promotion race. And it a lot does hang on this match. We can't simply say if Villa lose, it's okay. I mean, in a sense, it is because we are 
clear, but if Villa give points to teams underneath them, uh, they're going to make this whole promotion journey a bit harder on themselves and everyone else. Yeah, and also it does set the tone, doesn't it? If if Villa do win, then they obviously only then they're obviously only two points behind Cardiff, and and that 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 makes things difficult difficult for Cardiff. They have to think a little bit um, harder about. Uh, about how they perform over the weekend, it puts the pressure on them. But you know, equally with with Leeds United, they they themselves they are going to be under pressure because even if they win, they they're not going to get into the playoff places. And they've had this season after season that they're, they're just about making it into the playoffs and just not and just not doing anything with it. But I'll tell you what, mate, it is going to be a difficult one because the last time we played them, I just remember their it wasn't their strikers. <laughs> it wasn't their attackers who ran as ragged. It was them. It was their defenders. I'm worried about Janssen and I'm worried about Luke Ailing because we just did not handle them in the last uh, in the last fixture we had against them. So, would you say that this is a must-win game for Aston Villa? Must-win game. You know, every, every we say this about every game, don't we? Must-win. Uh, reality is, if we lose, it's not the end of the journey, is it? Uh, we, we we've been on a good run of form, but. If we want to show the sort of form uh, of a side that's getting automatic promotion, and we want to keep that momentum uh, momentum up, then then yeah, we should be beating a side like Leeds. If we don't, then you know it just tells us well, it just shows people that when we're, we're not at the same level as Wolverhampton Wanderers, but that's where we need to be, isn't it? That's what our players need to be thinking, and, and mentally they need to be they need to basically be telling themselves that they're the best team in the championship, and that means we need to be making you know, wins against sides like Leeds, routine. The wins that we've picked up in the last few games have been, you know, they've been against sides that we should be winning. Those are games that we should have done well in. But now it's a really tough test. And I'm wondering if we're going to be able to play with the same sort of freedom that we, that we have done over the last few. And this is where, as you say, mate, I totally agree with you. This is this is where we're going to struggle without uh, without a legitimate striker other than Keenan Davis. If Villa win... They temporarily temporarily go second on thirty eight points. Uh, with uh, Cardiff would have two games in hand, I believe. Uh, no, nah, mate, it's I think so, Cardiff Cardiff have forty points, and we have thirty five. Oh yeah, okay. My table has an update. Oh, it's all good, mate. Sorry that. Sorry, I get that correction. <laughs> but thank you very much. That's that's why you're here, mate. That is exactly why you're here. But yeah, um, we go, we do, we do put ourselves in a really good position if we win, don't we? Yeah, really good. Something really promising. Yeah, definitely. Look, Sheffield United are going to be panicking now. Uh, they, they they were second not too long ago, and now all of a sudden, Aston Villa are, uh, Aston Villa are, are going to leapfrog them if if they're not careful. Cardiff as well. They don't. They're not a great side. Look, they did they did well against Card- against Nottingham Forest in the weekend, but they've had a couple of blips as of late as well. And what we're we're basically making teams panicking now. Our our run of form. Uh, it's it's basically only been beaten so far by Wolverhampton Wanderers. I think over the last few games, uh, we we are dead. Sheffield Wednesday, of course, stole stole the other win as well before the international break. They beat us two 0 But apart from that, mate, we would be table toppers of you know, of form apart from uh, Wolverhampton. Yeah, apart from that loss. But yeah, over the last five games, we've lost one and won four, which uh, only Cardiff yeah, can match. Yeah. So. Um, I'm really, really happy with that, mate. And we go into a game against the Leeds United team, who are at the last five, they've lost three. Again, the most important result is your last one, yeah, and that was a win. Mate, for I'm telling you, right? Win. They've they've missed Lazoga like we've missed Kajir. and I, 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 I'm, I'm worried about how he does when he comes back. But 
I'm also worried about how we handle their fullbacks because, you know, you mentioned that issue that we had before over Alan Hutton basically, um, you know, getting forward quite often. Leeds are going to be launching a, launching a two-pronged attack for, uh, against us, mate, especially on that right-hand side. Um, you know, that basically means Neil Taylor's going to have to be on form. I just remember us being absolutely outplayed last season by Leeds. And I remember it being one of our worst games of the season as well. And that's the thing that I'm yeah. that, that's in my head going into this. Honestly, Luke Aylin uh, on that right-hand side, that he's going to keep on putting balls in. Well, f- hopefully we deal with it, mate. Hopefully we do find a way to win because it is going to be one of our harder games. And yeah, um, rotation is going to be an issue. But yeah, but let's move on to your prediction because I want to. I'm really interested to hear what you make of this game in terms of a scoreline. Oh, mate. Okay, um, I've been solidly predicting Villa wins over the, <laughs> over the last few weeks. I don't. Yeah, of course, and uh, it's, it's all come good for you as well. You know, you can't be blamed for that. But this it is, is different. different. Isn't it? it is different. Friday night fixture as well. It, for me, this has the absolute makings of a one-all draw. Uh, I think that we'll we'll still perform. We'll still be performing like a good side, but I think we're just going to struggle to to score that second goal against Leeds. Now the thing is, you know, against an average Championship defense, you know, you've got Adoma and Snodgrass who are going to create those opportunities and find space. That is fair enough. You know, I'm not going to dispute that. But with Leeds and that that the, the defenders that they have, I'm not quite sure we're going to be able to make them look as silly as. Um, as we've been making other uh, as we've been making other teams feel, uh, so yeah, basically Jansen is ridiculously good. Should not be in the championship. Um, he's going to be difficult to get past, and uh, the other defender as well. Liam Cooper has been in uh, decent form this season, um, but uh, that, that that's the only thing I'll have to say about it. I'm that's going fair one enough. One. As long as the draw comes with uh, when you when you give up the points and give up the draw, that's when it's going. But I think we'd all take a draw against Leeds United, I believe. At this point in time, I think everyone wants to push for the win. But a draw is a realistic and reasonable result that ensures that you don't drop too many points. And it also ensures that Leeds don't spring up too much. And it's only one point. They get that moves them on to 30 or so points. So it's not the incredible, yeah. incredible. But it is gutting that you would, we wouldn't be able to move on to 38 and then start challenging, maybe thinking about challenging for second place because Wolves are running away with this. Yeah, I mean, all I'll say is our defence are going to have an absolute, you know, work on their hands. If there's a game, I mean, this is this is the tough thing now because I, I, I'm sitting here thinking we should pack our midfield with three, but then I'm thinking, remember, that Jednak's injured and then also we've been performing so well and picking up the wins that, you know, so, to the point that we should just kind of play however we're playing. But, mate, you know, the, the three points that we could get out of this would be so, so big uh, purely because it would make... The rest of the teams panic over Saturday and Sunday. That that is the advantage of having a Friday night fixture. You know, you can set that tone and you can make the rest of the sides around you panic. Um, and and you're right, mate. We 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 can't let teams like Wolverhampton Wanderers keep running through the way that they are. And this is an opportunity to make a statement. And I think Bruce has a real opportunity here to to rally the troops. Uh, but our defense is going to have an absolute uh, an absolute night of of labor cut out for them. Uh, against that against that Leeds United attack in midfield. Well, I'm happy to go for a 1-1 uh, result as my prediction as well, mate. A draw, either way, looks to be on the cards. And uh, yeah, plenty to digest today, mate. Plenty to speak about. Again, it's been a uh, full 50 minutes of no bullshit Aston Villa talk, hasn't it? 
Yeah, pretty much, mate. I think we were we were playing around with a with a few ideas, weren't we? Thinking, you know, let's let's throw some let's let's throw some trivia in here or something. But you know what, mate? There's so much to talk about here with Villa that, mate, it's uh, it, it, it's difficult to find room for anything else. And I think that's good. You know, we're we're past that point of the the, the championship being boring for Villa fans. We're past that point of of having to kind of prepare ourselves for for weekend after weekend of 1-1 draws and and losing 1-0 in the 90th minute uh, we we finally got an exciting time ahead for us and I'm just I'm feeling positive every single week when it comes to Villa if we lose to Leeds United next week I'll still be positive that's that's how positive I feel well, one benefit of course of losing is that next week we'll be actually able to discuss and dissect something rather than praising Aston Villa I guess but yeah as a Villa fan I'd rather the three points than a good podcast <laughs> but that's not to say that today hasn't been good mate we've really discussed we've really went into things today and uh, next week we will ideally drop a bit of surprise with you regarding the content of this show and we'll, we'll pull something out of the bag but once again almost an hour's worth of Villa talk for you to enjoy along with the rest of your Aston Villa right. content consumption and Daniel, mate, what are you up to now that you're not? You've got one more episode of TV. Yeah, do you know what? Before you're yeah, free. yeah, I was just gonna say, what mate, I can't believe it's been an hour once again. It's so much fun talking to you. Absolutely, absolutely enjoy, um, absolutely enjoy breaking down Villa over the weekend. So uh, thanks for that once again. Um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, so I've got one more show for Sports Talk next week. I would like you all to tune in if you can. It's on at eleven a.m. on British Muslim TV, Sky eight four five. Yeah, it's you know it's the end of twenty seventeen now. It's it's been such a such a quick year. Uh, so much has happened. I'm sure for plenty of us, and I'm sure many of you have dropped off your uh, your New Year's revolution resolutions over over the past eleven months or so. Um, but yeah, we'll see what twenty eighteen holds. Follow me on Twitter uh, and Instagram at dhraza, and I will let you know if I've got any more projects going on. I've got a few documentaries I'm hoping to drop over the next uh, couple of months or so. So. Uh, keep on with that man that's what I'd have to say yeah exciting times for Mr Raza and exciting times for Aston Villa so hopefully the bells are tolling for the uh, Claret and Blue this Friday we'll be back on Sunday to dissect the ideal victory against Leeds United but again for me James Rushton as for Daniel Raza we're uh, gone for today and that's enough that's 55 minutes of Villa talk we'll be back next Sunday thank you very much for listening as usual leave a review on iTunes or wherever you can as uh, me and Daniel do take feedback very seriously you know we, we, we do take that very seriously but yeah we'd like uh, we'd like to see some reviews even if it is negative you know we can change the format we can do stuff but yeah uh, leave any opinions you have about the podcast to us and uh, we'll be delighted to hear from you so uh, good night guys and we'll catch you next Sunday <laughs>